It's interesting what's happening to us. The age we're living in is flooded with technology, blogs, and social media. Anything you need to know about Christianity is just a click away. But experiencing God through endless second-hand information isn't enough. So we're in Jerusalem, Israel at St. Anne's Church. This is where the Pool of Bethesda is located. It's an actual location that we know Jesus would have been here. And in fact, we read one of the uh, healing miracles took place here in John chapter five, starting at verse two, it says, now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, which when you come here, we all come in through the Sheep Gate. It's an amazing issue. By the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick blind, lame, and withered. The Bible says that they were waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. And a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. I find that story to be absolutely amazing that in this place, Jesus performed one of his most, I think, incredible miracles. A man who was ill for 38 years. Jesus told him to get up and walk. You have to imagine, this is not just a miracle of healing, it's a creative miracle where this man's legs, after 38 years of not walking, uh, the muscles and the tendons and the, the different things that make up the ability to walk, folks, those things are completely eroded and gone. They're not just atrophied, they're gone. And Christ, in a moment of time, asked him, would he be made well? The man doesn't even answer Jesus directly. He just says, I have no one to help me. And then the Lord speaks to the man. You know, it wasn't the man's faith, but it was Jesus' ability that did that. And I find that to be such an amazing fact that in this place, Jesus just spoke healing and the man was healed. And we encourage our group when they come here that if they're going through things, and sickness is an issue that we all from time to time deal with, but this is not just, I don't feel good. This is sickness beyond your ability. We believe that God is a healer and that in this very place, if you will link yourself into the fact that he is a healer, that he is good and that he heals, we believe healing can happen any place. But what a remarkable fact that it was here that Jesus did that and we believe for people to be healed right here in this place. We'll never see the full potential of our faith until we take the risk. It is at this time that we inevitably discover the realness of Christ. Do you believe there is something more? Personally, I cannot watch that without my heart beginning to pound in my chest, and I'll talk about it for a moment in just a second about why that place is so special to me. I want to welcome everybody today. Glad that you're here. Call all of our campuses into our meeting too, not just here at Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood. Those that live stream us, welcome not only to 2013, to our brand new series called Believe. We're going to be using Mark chapter 9 as the basis for teaching, but before we jump in, that particular place was shot at the Pool of Bethesda. God did a miracle for me there. I didn't know it at the time. I happened to walk away and experience the goodness of God, and I'll, I'll get into that here in just a second. But I want to say this. If you had the chance to go to Israel, would you go? Yes. Seven of us would go to Israel. <laughs> if you could go to Israel, would you go? Okay, yes. on the 19th, I am having an orientation meeting for our 2013 Israel trip. If you are at all interested in going, you need to come to that meeting. At that meeting, we discuss the price of it. We discuss when we're going. It'll be in September of 2013. We discuss what we do at that trip. We hand out all the information. So if you have any interest whatsoever in going to Israel, 
on the 19th, the Broncos are not playing on the 19th. Don't, don't you know I did my homework first? They are not playing that night. So here at this campus, 6.30, we'll meet together. We'll discuss this. It's done incrementally as far as the payment so that everybody who wants to go can afford it. And we'd like to make that available to you. So if you're at all interested in going to Israel, please make sure, put that on your calendar. Be here that night. We'll start signups. Last time, um, we ended up taking 84, 83 or 84. I don't remember what the exact number was. It was two buses full. I had only planned for one bus. When we sold out the first bus the first week, I decided to open it up. Okay, let's see what happens. We sold out the second bus. So I, I, we had such a good time and it went so well, I said to myself, if we can do that from now on, I'm willing to do that. So I don't know, um, I don't know what the need will be. I've had a lot of people ask me about it, but how many of you know what, what, what comes right down to it is whether or not people can afford it. That's what separates people who want to go from being able to go. And not always are we able to do the things that we want to do. But if you are interested and you'd like more information, please be there on that night, and we will open it up to whosoever wants to go. We'd love to have you uh, go with us. Okay, let's, let's jump into this. Mark chapter 9, 23 and 24. I'm actually only taking part of the story in order to teach from it tonight, but it's the part that, um, that we want to concentrate on. And so let me, let me just begin. If you'll find it there in your notes, reads this way. Jesus said to him, he's talking to a father of a, of a, of a son who is, um, who, is, who is dealing with demonic oppression in his life. So Jesus begins the conversation to this man um, uh, by, by saying to him, um, he questions his belief. And the man, the man says back to Jesus, if you could, would you heal my son? And Jesus says to him, if I can. And then we pick up the story at this place. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, look at this sentence, Lord, I believe, help my what? Say that part with me. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Would that not be the cry of most of the people in this room? Yes or no? Lord, I believe, help me where I struggle. A literal translation or rendering of this scripture would read this way. If you were to take it from the Aramaic and you were to take it exactly into the English, it would read this way. The father's answer is, I believe, but I want to believe more. Yes or no, that's where most of us find ourselves at tonight. I believe, I want to believe more. I struggle with belief. I struggle with how to appropriate belief. I struggle with how to get there. It's not that I don't believe. It's not that I doubt. It's just that I don't know how to grow in that. When we were preparing this message for this year, so much has gone into this. God has done so much to help us. I wrote down just my personal thoughts. I, I think this message probably not only is a beginning message for our new series on belief, I would say to you, it's probably in my mind, spiritual formation for our church for 2013 for this reason. I began to ask myself, what do I want to see happen out of this series? What, what do I want you to walk away when it's all said and done? When, when we're done with the series, what do I want you to be able to take with you? I would say that, that it's simplistic, but here's what I want. I want you to grow spiritually when it's all said and done. Anybody else agree with that? Okay, when I say that though, what do I want to have grow spiritually in you? Do I want, you, do I want your hair to grow? Your mustache, what do I want? What, help me out. What do we want to grow spiritually in? Somebody say it. In faith. That's exactly right. Here's what I know. Whenever we say about somebody, they have big faith, we actually equate big faith with a mature believer, don't we? We never equate big faith with an immature person. We equate it with a mature person. I want you to grow spiritually. And what I mean by that is I want you to grow in your faith or in your belief. Faith is not static. Faith in reality is variable. If it's not variable, how can this man say to Jesus, I believe, but help me grow in my belief? Have you ever been at that place in your life where your faith, your faith has grown in the last year? Or it's shrunk in the last year? Is that possible? Faith is not static. Faith 
is variable. I even wrote in my note this idea. Belief isn't simply linear. Belief is multidimensional in that some areas we can have a lot of belief in, but in other areas we have little belief in. That was an amen from the peanut gallery right there. Helps out. Let me throw this thought out to you right here. I think there are two relevant testimonies when it comes to the idea of faith and belief. Now, the first relevant testimony, actually, I, I, I messed my notes up. I wrote them. I turned them in. They printed all the notes. I went back yesterday, and I looked through my notes, and I recognized there are actually three, three different things that I would say are, are, are necessary testimonies. I got two of them. I'll see if you can figure out the third one. I'll just correct myself publicly. The first, the first testimony that's necessary for faith is the testimony of healing. Okay, the reason the Pool of Bethesda is so important to me, it was at that place while shooting that video. Terry shuts the camera off. I turn around. I take a look at it because I've never been down there before. I may never get back there again. It's dead quiet. Terry walks up the stairs. I look at the pool. There's a, a metal rail. You saw it right behind me in that video. I just tapped my ring on it because it was, so, it was spooky quiet down there. I just made a little noise. And I felt the Holy Spirit ask me, what do you believe about that story with the men? And my, the place I was at in faith, this is why I say it's not static. I believe in God. I believe that God does miracles. I'm up here preaching every week like a man who believes that God does miracles. I do not preach like a teacher of the law. I teach with authority, yes or no. I believe what I'm teaching. Yet I found my faith through, through my own experience of not being healed over a long period of time. Disappointment is the mother of bad theology. Write that down and remember it. Disappointment is the mother of bad theology. Because instead of raising our, our disappointment or our experience to the level of the Bible, we tend to take the Bible down to our level of experience. We want to rewrite it to fit our circumstances rather than lift our circumstances up to where the Bible is. So, and this happens, listen, the battle for your life, the battle for your faith, and the battle for belief is done over the long haul. When we pray and we ask, and it doesn't happen right away, there's the battle, yes or no. That's the place that the devil loves to come to steal, to kill, and destroy. It would, everybody in this room would have super faith if when you prayed, it happened in 24 hours. Do you agree with that? It's an easy statement. If we prayed and everything we asked God for, he did in 24 hours, we'd all be super faith people. But when you pray and 24 hours goes by and all you hear are the crickets of heaven and then a year goes by or 10 years or 20 years goes by and God does not answer that prayer the way you think he should answer that prayer, yet Jesus said this, ask Seek and knock. He never gives how long we're supposed to do that. He only says we're supposed to keep doing it. Asking, seeking, knocking. In between the time you ask and the time God answers is the battle for your faith. This is what I say to you. When God doesn't answer that prayer immediately or the way you want him to, disappointment creeps into your life or the possibility for disappointment creeps into your life. And if you let it in, disappointment becomes the mother of bad theology because you tend to rewrite Scripture to fit your experience rather than lift your experience up to the level of Scripture. So I'm at that place with a back injury that was not being healed, only getting worse. There's a, there's a Scripture uh, in Mark, Mark chapter 5 where a woman who had internal bleeding for 12 years touches Jesus. Do you remember the story? This is what the Bible says about her. We're actually going to comment in this series. We go to the Sea of Galilee. I'll show you close by where this woman was when she touched Jesus. On site, we go and we shoot it. Uh, we didn't actually find the woman, but we did find the Sea of Galilee. Okay. <laughs> Just seeing if you're listening. <laughs> Thought we found the woman, but it was not. All right. So, so, <laughs> so we're at that place. Um, Having asked the Lord for healing, having had people on my behalf ask the Lord for healing, and, and having not had that happen, well, the Bible says about that woman that she had this issue, and then it says this about her. She spent everything she had on medical help, 
only to grow worse. Have you ever been there where everything you're doing is not working? Everything you're trying is not happening. Everything that you, everything that the world can offer to make it better is not working for you. Have you just ever been there? So I'm there. And I'm at a place where I'm very discouraged and I'm very disappointed and I feel very let down. And it's at that time that the Lord asked me, what do you think about this story? Now, it didn't come from a place where I'm bitter at God, but it came from a place of disappointment. And my answer to God in my head was this. I'm not sure what I believe about that story anymore. And as soon as I said that, man, it was like, look, I'm a believer. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I knew I grieved the Holy Spirit. So I said instantly in my head, God, I'm sorry. It's not that I disbelieve anything that you did. I just don't know how to, I don't know how to make this happen for me. Is that real? Can you handle that? Some are like, you're a pastor. You're supposed to make those things happen for you. Well, here, I dare you. Go find a church where the pastor can do that. And if you find one, he's a liar. So here's, here's, here's the deal. I just, out of a, out of a place of disappointment, I spoke that. But of course I told the Lord, I'm stuck. You know, that's not, I just don't understand God. Here's all I'm saying. I walk up the stairs. No lightning goes off. My hair didn't stand up on the back of my head. I had no chicken skin. There was nothing that would have pointed to some charismatic experience for healing. But I go back to the hotel and my back doesn't hurt. And I've told the story. I won't belabor it. It just went simply like this. The next morning, my back didn't hurt. Day, the next couple of days, it didn't hurt. I got on an airplane. I flew 15 hours back to the U.S. Normally, it incapacitates me for 24 hours after that flight. I get off the plane like I'm 20 years old. I feel great. I go home, and I don't even, I, I'm not even telling anybody. I don't even tell Chris what's going on. I'm just like, can this, I'm afraid to say it. I'm afraid that I don't want to be wrong for God's sake. Does anybody get that? I don't want to be wrong for God's sake. So I I begin to, Chris is like, what's going on with you? I said, I I think God healed me. (laughs) Literally, I whispered, I think the Lord healed me. And she's like, well, something is sure different about you. And then I told this, man, you know, this is hard to confess. It was very hard to say. I brought the bottle of medicine with me. It had had devolved to the place where I was having to take painkillers on a regular basis, heavy duty painkillers. And if you were here, I brought the bottle with me and it was prescribed one to two every two hours. That's, that's a massive amount of painkiller. And here's what I'll say to anybody in this room who is taking them. There's no judgment on you. I know what it's like. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do to be okay. Let me make a statement. If you are in this room today and your life is messed up, you are safe, you are okay. But I want to tell you something. God loves you enough not to leave you that way. Okay? Hear me on that. You are safe and you are okay and we love you. But God loves you enough. He's not going to leave you that way. I, I... I am not recommending this. This is not the pastor saying this is how you get healed. I had gone for approximately a week knowing I am not experiencing any pain. I took the pain meds and I flushed my pain meds. There were two issues with that. I had taken them long enough that there easily could have been dependency on that without any problem. But number two, if I'm wrong, what am I going to tell my doctor? (laughs) Got up the next day. I know God two different ways. I know God as a deliverer, and I know God as a healer because he took both away from me. By the way, met with my doctor two weeks ago. I'd been waiting for that conversation. I've been trying to think, how am I going to tell my doctor? He's a man of science. He's a man of reason. He is not a, you know, whatever we are, he's not. That's, (laughs) is that okay to say it that way? Do, do I hurt feet? I mean, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feeling. I'm just like, you know, he's just, he's just not, he doesn't like, the li- he doesn't get the lingo. You, you know what I'm saying? We speak the lingo a lot of times. You know, we forget that people don't speak the lingo. So I go in, I'm trying to figure out, how am I going to tell him about what's going on? So here's, here's, here's what I, 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 I'm not going to tell him I had a miracle. What I'm going to tell him is I feel really good. And I've been feeling really good 
so good that I haven't been taking the medicine. So I tell him, I feel really good, so good I haven't been taking the medicine. He looks at me, kind of cockeyed, and he goes, well, what do you attribute this good news to? (laughs) He asked. He asked. I didn't go in blasting. He asked me. I said, well, I'm a believer, and I believe in miracles, and I think that God gave me a miracle. This is what my doctor said. He said, I believe in miracles too, but I don't believe in lightning striking people. I believe that God can heal through doctors. God can heal through medicine. God can heal sometimes. He says sometimes mentally we can get messed up and affects our body. He said, maybe you were messed up mentally and now you're okay. That's what he said to me. I couldn't argue with him. I was like, okay, well, you got me there. You got me. But this is what we agreed to do. This, is, this was our agreement. He said, if God healed you, then you'll be healed 30 days from now. Right? I said, that's right. And he said, if God heals you, you'll be healed 45 days from now or 60 days from now or six months from now. Correct? I said, that's correct. He said, make an appointment, come back in one month and tell me. So on the 22nd, I go back. And I can't wait to go back and tell him again. And he goes, well, let me write you out a prescription. I said, you don't need to write me out a prescription. He goes, well, let me write out just in case you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and it comes back. I said, okay, fine. Write it out. But I'm not going to cash it in. If that's what you need to do, you do that. But I'll prove it to you when I come back. And we'll, we can go down this road. I, I, look, if God did it, if God did it, you can stick right in there and win somebody over. Does this make sense? This man is important to me, to be honest with you, because this man cares a great deal. for. This is what this man did when I got done. When I got done with the conversation, I'm giving you the short version. This man hugged me. This man said, thank God. And this man said, John, he said, I can count on one hand the number of people who ever go the other way once they start down the path that you started down. He said, so this is good news for me too. And we both left the office rejoicing. Listen to this. A legitimate testimony to build faith and belief in person is the testimony of healing. Do you agree with that? All right. But then as I told that story, there was a backlash that happened. And this is important because I'm a pastor and I care very much for the people that God has given to me. I'm going to have to give answer for your soul. And it matters to me what you hear me say. I am never up here just preaching. I'm never up here just talking. I, have to, I carefully consider what I'm about to say because what I say, many of you put such stock in. I'm at a place in my life and it's wonderful. The church will be 15 years old. I'm the founding pastor. People trust, rich people trust me. And that matters to me, man. That matters that when I say something, people trust me. Because when I have to raise money or when I have to say we're going to move this way or we're going to plant a campus, people are, they know if I say it, we're going to do it. And if they can't trust that, how does a a man or a woman lead if what you say has no credibility to it? So I'm up talking and I I got together with some friends of mine who love me. They don't hate me. They love me. And I said, listen, here's my testimony. Here's what God's doing. What are you hearing? And this is what one of my friends told me. He said, let me tell you what. He said, I am happy for you. He said, I rejoice with you. He said, but I've got a bad back and I'm asking God, why is he not doing this for me? So I took that and I began to just feel out, is anybody else? And I found that there was a little bit of a backlash where people are asking, I believe that God does that, but they were right where I was. Disappointment had crept in and this was only adding to it. Does this make any sense? Why isn't God doing that for me? I love God too. I love God like you love God. I go to the same church as you do. So I took that, and I took it to God, and I took it to my staff. We probably had one of the best staff meetings we ever had, man. We are, here's what Proverbs says, in the multitude of counselors is safety. And what that means is, in the multitude of counselors, people can discern the mind of God. We went after God, and we were asking him, what, how, how do we teach this lesson? How do we take people through this? Because if we stand up, and the only thing we present is just healing, healing, healing. Here's the problem. First of all, we make healing the thing that people worship. I don't want you to ever worship healing. Worship God and God alone. Do you hear me on that issue? Healing is not the end-all, be-all. Just like money's not the end-all, be-all. 
God is the end all be all. Correct? Okay. A valid testimony is healing. Let me give you an equally valid testimony. Last weekend, Bob Sorge. How many of you heard Bob teach last weekend? If you were not here, I, I know preachers say this, but I'm telling you, missed it. What can you do about it? JFC.org. Everything that's taught from this pulpit, you can download it for free. We make it available to you. Go get it. Listen to it. Here's Bob Sorge's testimony. The staff had gotten together. I took this information. We're talking. Okay, it is a valid testimony that healing is necessary to cause people to believe. But what if somebody doesn't get healed when they pray? Is that valid? So Bob Sorge, here's what we came up with. We've got to find the other testimony, which is I prayed and I'm waiting, but I'm okay with God while I'm waiting. Is that or is that not valid? Do you hear me? So I, listen to this. I'm praying, God, help me find the person that has that testimony. Help me find somebody who can articulate that, who can say that, who can help me with this message. So we had scheduled Bob Sorge to speak on last weekend. And I wanted him to come and teach on his book from the inside out, which we did an entire series on, on tearing down strongholds just a few months ago. Do you remember? And I recommended the book. We even sold the book. I wanted him to come and teach on that. Bob calls me and he says, John, that book is actually a couple of years old. Would you mind if I taught on this new book that I've just written? And I'm like, oh, no. Don't do that. Bro, you're going to mess up what I've got planned for my people. I've got this great message that I've, I've been telling them about you. And you, you've got to teach this message. But he's a guest. And if that's what he wants to do, I'm going to let him do it. So he gets up here. And he I have no idea what he's going to speak on. What does he say? 20 years ago, I injured my vocal cords. For 20 years, I've prayed for God's healing. I believe God's going to heal me. But in the meantime, I'm speaking now to more people than when I had a voice. He has plundered hell greater without a voice than he did when he had a voice. God gives me the testimony. Makes, makes the message completely valid. Here's, here's the riddle in that. God will make you look much better than you are capable of looking. <laughs> I was going to have him teach something else. And God gives two, the most two valid testimonies possible. That God does heal. But sometimes we wait. And we need to be a-okay with God. And then I said this a moment ago and I want to see if you caught it. I wrote down there are two valid testimonies. There's actually three. Can anybody figure out what the third one was? What is it? Bob, you got it. Say it louder. It's the no. Sometimes God says, no. yeah, like, everybody's like, I'm not saying that because if I say it, God will do it. If, look, <laughs> sometimes God says no. Holy smokes, do I have to do some teaching in this series? Sometimes God says no. He doesn't say no because he's not a healer. He may say no because his plan is to do something else. When it's all said and done, it will be yes. You've got to remember, this earth, any healing that happens on this earth is ultimately temporary, yes or no. Think about it. Because you, here, here's God's mercy. Adam and Eve in the garden, they eat the one thing they're not supposed to eat. Right? The one thing. God, of all the fruit in the garden, including the tree of life. If you eat of that tree, you can live forever. Just don't eat of the knowledge of good and evil because if you eat of that tree, you'll die. Oh, there's great news. What do they do? Where, where's the knowledge of good and evil at? <laughs> and they run over. The enemy, of course the enemy exploits that. They eat of it. God kicks them out of Eden. Two questions. Did he do it because he was mad or did he do it because he loved them? He loved them? So he kicked them out? What are you, nuts? Why did he kick them out? Here's what the Bible says. God said, we've got to banish them from this garden lest they reach forth and take of the tree of life eat of it, and they are stuck eternally in a fallen position. 
even from the time man fell, God's original intention was to redeem man. Prophecy was spoken. This is what God said. To the serpent, you will strike his heel, he will crush your head. It was a prophecy about Jesus. You're going to strike his heel, he's going to crush your head. What, a mortal head wound, he's going to kill. By striking his heel, he's going to kill you. God's plan and purpose, even from the time man fell, was to redeem mankind. Look, I'm teaching better than you're giving me any credit for right now. It's making me mad. So You're like, this is my loose Saturday night fever crowd. What's wrong with you? Here's a question for you. Of these two testimonies, the testimony of healing or the testimony of waiting, which one is better? It's not a trick. Come on. There's no, nobody's going to jump out. Aha, I got you. What? It's a debatable issue. It's a completely debatable issue. How about this? God can use either. The one on healing is absolutely fantastic, isn't it? But the one on waiting is absolutely fantastic too. Because during the waiting, God, did Sorge, uh, if you didn't hear the message, God can do more while you're waiting. God can use anything. I like to say God can win with a pair of twos. <laughs> to find out who my gamblers are in the church. Okay. This. <laughs> Why is that funny to me? Like nobody else. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> All right. Let me do this. The model of growth that most of us have grown up around You've got a pen, write this down, it's not in your notes. The model of growth that most of us have grown up around is to increase a person's knowledge, yes or no? That's the model of growth that, that we've all grown up with. We, we teach to increase knowledge. I, I want to I change that slightly. Here's really what we should be doing. We should be teaching to increase a person's faith and belief. It is possible to get knowledge and not believe any greater than you did before you got knowledge. Did you hear that? Yeah. Do you know the Bible says that the devil believes? What did it do for him? Hmm. Right, let me just quickly give you two things that can help you with your unbelief. If like that father, your prayer is, God, I believe, but I want to believe more, then let me help you with your unbelief. The first one is learn to hear. Notice the way that I write it. I didn't say learn to listen. Learn to hear. Romans 10, 17, exceptionally familiar scripture. Pastor Dan DeMay, in one of his greatest messages, took this scripture and taught the idea of how faith comes. Romans 10, 17, Paul the Apostle writes, here, read it with me. Find it in your notes there. Romans 10, 17, count of three. One, two, three. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So faith doesn't come from listening. This is important. Pay attention to me for just a moment. When Jesus would speak, here's what was commented about Jesus. He doesn't speak as one who quotes the law. He speaks as an authority over the law. What's the difference between the two? Okay, you know, ah, I'm just going to go. Look, one of the reasons we do not just teach chapter and verse. I'm not against chapter and verse, by the way. Do not, don't misquote me, don't slaughter me, don't slander me to somebody else. I am not against chapter and verse. One of the reasons we don't just teach chapter and verse is because it's easy when you do that to begin just teaching one thing after the other. You teach for knowledge alone. You're not teaching under inspiration necessarily when you do that. Now, you can do that. But it's easy to fall into the habit of just going chapter and verse, chapter and verse, chapter and verse, and you begin to teach as a person teaching the letter of the law. You don't teach like a person. You don't teach with the application of it. So we look for subjects whereby we're saying, this is how you apply it to your life. It'll change your life if you do this. I'm standing up here tonight 
pleading with you. As I preach, I am pleading passionately. I'm saying, this is not just me talking. It is not just ink and paper. It is not just words that don't matter. It matters. If you listen to me, it can change your life. If you want to grow spiritually, then you've got to grow in your faith, and this can make your faith grow. That's why some people can't take me. One of the greatest comments ever. A woman walked in, said, it's like a barroom preacher. <laughs> I didn't know how to take, what does that mean? She said, you could go to a barroom and convince people to listen to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you think Jesus could do that? Yeah. That's preaching. That's teaching with authority. It's taking it because you know that it works and it's telling people, this is how you apply it in your life. So when I tell you, let me help you with your unbelief, here's what I'm telling you. You don't just, Jesus never said faith comes by listening. Listening doesn't produce faith. Hearing produces faith. I remember when my son, my oldest son came home. He was, I don't know, five years old, six years old, had learned the Pledge of Allegiance. Here's how he learned it. God is my witness. Pledge allegiance to the flag, to the United States of America, to the Republic of which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Y'all may be seated. Amen. That's how he'd say it. He thought that was the Pledge of Allegiance. So where did you get that? He heard. You get it? It's just repeat. It's not, not, not getting it. Okay, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing Hearing by the word of Christ, that literally means hearing comes by rhema. Rhema is the Greek word right there. So it would read this way. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema of Christ. What does that mean? The Bible has two words for word. There is logos, logos, which is written word. You're writing right now. It's the written word. And then there's the rhema, which is the spoken word. What I'm doing is speaking. When Jesus spoke, here's what Jesus said. My words are spirit and truth. They're not just truth, but they're spirit also. So that when he spoke them, he wasn't just quoting the law. He was taking the spirit and teaching, that's why it would come. Have you ever read the Bible and it comes alive to you? I, I pity you if you sit in our room tonight and you've read the Bible and it's never come alive to you. And I don't pity you in a way where I make fun of you. I would actually pray for you so that when you read it, you don't just hear, but you listen to the Spirit of God. Some of you right now, as I'm teaching you can hear the Holy Spirit speak. Your mind is already off someplace else. You're not wandering. You're, you're talking to God right now. God is saying things to you. That's rhema. Rhema is when you hear the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, talk to you. And it can come while you're reading. It can come while you're listening to somebody talk. It can come in music. Worship is supposed to be the gateway to rhema. Dang, I'm teaching. Come on, come on. Come on. Come on with me. Let me teach you to listen. I'll give you five quick things. The Bible can teach you to hear. Messages can teach you to hear. Testimonies can teach you to hear. Books can teach you to hear. Friends can teach you to hear. All right, let me throw this in. How does unbelief enter your mind? If faith isn't static, if faith can grow and shrink, how many of you recognize you can reach a level in faith where you're way up here, but if it's not maintained, you can end up back, 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 back. Is it possible that your faith can shrink? I'm going to show you a scripture here in just a second that totally proves it. I'll give you two ways that unbelief enters your mind. The first one is doubt. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. When the devil tempted the woman, here's what he said. Did God really say? Question mark. 
All he did was cause the woman to question what any time you begin to pray about anything that God said, you open yourself up for doubt. Do I need to say that again? Anytime you begin to pray about anything that God has already said, you open yourself up for doubt because you're not believed. Now what you're doing is your quest just that's what the devil did. Did God really say that? Is it okay to debate scripture? Yes, it is. But when you sit down with it, your mind should be on, I believe. Help me believe more. Does this make sense? Let me give you the second one. This is really easy. First one's doubt. The second one is disappointment. What did I say about disappointment? It's the mother of bad theology. Okay, where does that come from? 1 Timothy 1.19. Let me read it to you. Justin, listen to this. This is, what, this is what Paul writes. He says, hold on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these two and so have shipwrecked their faith. Hold on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these two and have shipwrecked their faith. So it is possible to have great faith, but to shipwreck your faith. For it to shrink, for it to minimize, for it to end up on the rocks, for it to become useless, for it to become powerless, for it to become a memory of what was. Is that not what the Bible says right here? Do you hear me? When we begin to use disappointment, Pastor Dan, how do I say, am I saying it the wrong way? Am I, I'm, I may be confusing whether either people are, wheels are turning or I'm confusing that I'm confusing people. That then, wheels are turning. Okay. It, am I saying it the right way? That when you use disappointment as your measure to understand God, you're shipwrecking your faith. When you use disappointment to try to understand God, you're shipwrecking your faith. Because you're lowering God to your disappointment. You're not raising your disappointment to God. What do you do with disappointment? Here's what the Bible says. In your time of need, come boldly to the throne room and present it to God. Give it to Him. Look, it's totally okay to tell God, I am so stinking disappointed. This did not turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. I don't under, it's okay to say I don't understand it. It's totally okay to tell God, this bothers me and I'm upset by this. But here's what you're doing. You're taking the disappointment and you're elevating it to him. God, I don't get it, but here. Yeah. As opposed to taking it and then trying to fit the Bible down here. Well, I guess, you know what? God doesn't heal anymore. Miracles died when the last apostle died. Well, if that's not true, then why don't you just make a miracle happen and prove it, preacher? Yes or no? I mean, the argument is, if it's not a strong delusion, nobody believes the lie. That, I, boy, that was good right there. That was, you didn't catch that. But. Jesus said in the last days, Strong delusion would be loosed for people to believe a lie. Strong delusion. Weak delusion, we'd catch it, wouldn't we? Strong delusion. All right, how about this? Is it possible to be born again and need to have a renewed mind? I hope, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Romans 12, 2 reads this way, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will is these three things, good, pleasing, and perfect. Say it with me, good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will is always good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will is never anything else. God's will is never anything else. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. If you hurt, God is still good. If you can't make sense of your life, God is still perfect. 
Do not take what you're going through and lower God to that. Take what you're going through and raise it up in worship to him. Worship anyway. Tell him he's good anyway. When do we quit living by our emotions and our feelings and live by truth? When? When does that happen? Of course you can be born again and need to have your mind renewed because he's writing this to believers. Here's how I know it's true. My mind needs to be renewed every day. Why? Because I live in a world that battles my mind every day. And every day I have disappointment. And every day I don't get what I pray for. Sometimes. Anybody relate to that? And I have kids. <laughs> Two things to help you believe more. Learn to hear. Two, learn to ask. This is probably the, Liz, it's probably the simplest one that is the most overlooked. So Lakewood, you should listen to me right now. In Highlands Rants, you should listen. Castle Rock, you should pay attention right now. And if you're walking on a beach, I hate you, but you should listen to me right now. <laughs> Maybe the simplest way to learn to believe more is to just simply ask. Here's what the book of James says. You do not have because you do not ask God. How many times do we complain, but we don't ask? And how many times do we put up with and amend our lifestyle to accommodate the drought that the enemy has skillfully sown in our lives? Hear what I'm saying right there. How many times do we accommodate our lifestyle to put up with what the devil is doing, but we fail to ask God. We live with, we tolerate, we make excuses for, but we don't ask. Sometimes it speaks of priority. Am I fair? We're too busy. Falls low on the list. Sometimes we just simply think this. If God's good, I mean, why do I have to ask? Because he likes you to ask. That's why. He tells you to ask. That's why. It speaks to pride. Philippians 4, 6. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody there yet? Maybe they ask, how many of you would love to be there? Oh my goodness, can you imagine life at that level? Anxious for nothing. That would be cool. That, would you agree with me? That would be like mature? I'd throw this out to you. That's supposed to be the average believer. Hello? <laughs> Test. Mike went dead right then. Let me read. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It goes back to the very thing that I said. The very disappointment you have with prayer Petition and thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm 18 seconds in deficit, and I want to, I'm in a fifth gear. I just got into fifth gear, man. <laughs> Here's how I'll end it. Two things. Here's what I want you to do. If, you don't, if you've got a pen, get it out. If you don't have it out already, get a piece of paper out somewhere, borrow one, do whatever you have to do. Fake it if you need to, but get something. Get a pen out, and I want you to write uh, these two things. Here's what I want you to write. 
I want to grow in faith. This is what we're writing down. I want to grow in faith. And then I want you to give me the percentage. You tell me. So maybe you got little faith and you're like 1%. Or maybe you're like, I want to double. I want to, I want to 50%. I literally want you. This is your homework. This is what I want you to do. I'm gonna put you to the test next week. You have not because you ask not. Let's ask. Let's. Hey, let me ask you the question. It's not enough for me to want you to grow spiritually. How many of you want to grow spiritually this year? Maybe that's the better question. Maybe the more relevant question is, what, what do you want to have happen? I'll be here teaching next week. You want to grow spiritually? Okay. So let's name it. Let's ask, how much do you want to grow? 50%, 75%? I, see, it's hard to equate that. I don't know. But we don't, we don't even have a, if we argue about what that looks like, that's the problem. We just sit around arguing. We argue about how we do communion. We argue about what color the carpet is. We argue about the preacher's jackets. And they're really nice. What? Let's not, let's quit arguing. About, let's just start talking about what we want God to do. How much? 25%, 30%, 50%, 100%. What do you want? Write down. Okay, here's where we're going to go next week, and I'll give it away to you. So I, I believe this will change your life. So here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Next week, I will give you five catalysts that cause growth in faith. And I'll give you the first one. I'll give you the first one right now. Here's the other thing I want you to write down. Here's the first one. Practical teaching. Practical teaching causes you to grow in faith. Now, when I say that, it's just what I said. Practical teaching is not standing up here, blah, 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 blah like Charlie Brown in the team. Practical teaching is teaching where it's working in someone's life and they can stand up and tell, like Bob Sorge, what made Bob Sorge powerful is that he's living what he taught. What makes this message powerful is that I'm living what I'm teaching right now. It's what gives me authority. It's what allows me to stand up here and say it, mean it when I say it. So it's practical, practical teaching like this. Some of you have grown in your faith already because you heard this message. Yeah. Yes or no? It revs you up, doesn't it? Not some of you go, that's hype. It'll only last till I get out there. Come on. It's not hype. Truth is, let God plant in you. Expect a harvest. God, I want to grow. Put it down. Have not because we ask not. Let's ask Him. Let's ask for healing. We have not. Somebody said to me one time, why doesn't the American church see these things happening? I'm going to say part of it. Not all. I'm not bright enough to know all of it. But part of it is we're just, we're not desperate when we ask. We say it casually. We've got a grocery list of four things, and if we get two of the four, okay. We, come on. Ask Him. Believe Him. Trust Him. Doesn't, doesn't faith equate to trust? Ultimately, doesn't it? When we say, I have faith in God, what we're saying is, I trust God. There's a lot to be taught in this. There's a lot that we have to go over here. There's a lot. But I'll give you five catalysts. I'll give you the first one that caused. If you want to grow, be here next week. How about that? Be here. And if you're like, well, I'll just stream it. I'm only going to do three of the five. I'm going to cut the other two off the live stream. No, I'm not. See, those are the things that get me in trouble right there. That's the kind of thing. Somebody write me, I can't make it to church. You're making fun of me. I'm not. I love you. I'll give you six if you're on the. So we asked ourselves, where do we want to end this first message? In the ensuing messages, I want you to know, we will be talking about healing. We will be talking about miracles. We will be talking about we're going to take Mark 4, 5, and 6, which are three of Jesus' greatest, in my mind, most tremendous miracles, including 
the raising of the dead. And we're going to talk about those things. But I say to you, before, before you even think about those things, you've got to have some form of trust and belief in God. <laughs> to even ask, If we're not asking... Does that mean, I mean, we don't even come to the point, we're just not even asking. How do we expect healing to take place? It's got to start at that level. So then we say, okay, how do we close this out? Well, I think probably at that place where it's a chance to ask God, increase my faith. That man prayed maybe the most, maybe he prayed. I think every time I read that scripture up until I did the study in this series, I think I read that man's prayer or that man's question to Jesus from a, from a disadvantaged, weak point, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How many of you would have read that scripture that way? What if he prayed one of the tightest theological prayers that could be prayed? God, I believe, help me believe more. Because that's where we all are in this room. Unless you have perfect faith. God, I believe, help me believe more. Is that your prayer? Good. Father, here's where we take this message then. At that level, we believe. Help us believe more. Father, some people right now, that whole issue of disappointment has, has transfigured their faith. Hey, church, close your eyes, please. I I want you to do that because I don't want you to be distracted right now. I'm not trying to keep you from seeing something. The worship people are coming up to the platform. You're not missing anything. Just close your eyes. It's it's the truth. I, I I don't want you to be distracted. Just listen to me. I think that many people have had their faith transformed because of disappointment. You find yourself at a place in your life where, um, where you could say, man, I prayed and I'm in this betwixt and between place. And nothing's happening, seemingly. And in fact, maybe, maybe the truth of the matter is you've just been decimated by the disappointment. That's why I say it's transform your faith. Maybe you were at a place where you had this like really strong faith and now your faith is just maybe, you know, just barely hanging on. Well, I would say these two things to you. First of all, the Bible says that God does not ignore that small little flame that's going on in your life. God doesn't disrespect that. He cares for that. He cares about that. And the fact that you even have, even if it's a small little flame, that's a respectable thing. But here is, I I think this is what God would tell you, is that he wants you to bring that thing to him. Because he, he wants to build that up in you. He wants to grow that in you. He wants to produce inside of you, like, like Paul said, He wants you to have a gift of faith, a large gift. And if while I'm just up here talking right now, I happen to be telling your story, your faith has just been transformed by your disappointment. I say that tonight because the Holy Spirit puts that deep in my heart to speak to you. And he puts it in my heart to speak to you because he wants to meet with you over that issue. God wants to engage you right there. That's how this message helps your life. I want you to engage God right I want you to tell him that you're disappointed. I want you to tell him that you don't understand. I want you to tell him that you feel like all you're doing is going through the motions. You're just hanging on. It's okay. God knows. But here's what I also want you to say to him. Help me believe. I'm not asking you to work yourself up. I'm not asking you to hype yourself up. I'm not asking you to work something up in the flesh. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Bring it all to God and say to him, say to him just the way that it is, but tell him, 
Help me to believe. Engage him at that issue. And then maybe there's a specific. Maybe there's something that very much you're asking God about and you're talking to God about and you're just like, God, I'm believing you for this. Here's what I want. I don't want you to find yourself in that in-between asking and getting an answering and having your faith just waver. This message was spoken to strengthen your faith tonight. So I want you to engage God right there. Tell him, God, while I'm waiting, I'm okay. I believe. I'm standing. I strengthen myself in you. I'm resolute. You're good. I don't give up. I don't quit. I'm not walking away. And then maybe, and this one is where my heart automatically gravitates towards every service. Every time I stand up, my heart always gravitates automatically to this one place. Maybe you're here and you have no faith at all because it's never, ever been asked of you to have faith. Do you know that the Bible says salvation comes by faith, not by obedience? Because God wants a relationship with you. And that speaks of intimacy. Faith is trust. Faith is belief. Faith is intimacy. Obedience is a byproduct. So salvation doesn't come because you're obedient. Salvation comes because you believe. And if that makes any sense to you, and you're just sitting out there hearing the message, any of our campuses, and no one's ever asked you before, hey, do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that if you ask God for his mercy, he'll give it to you? Maybe no one's just ever asked you that question. And if you find yourself in that boat, I want you to know my heart is just, it automatically goes towards that person because I was right there. And if anything I just said suddenly makes sense to you, I want you to know that's the Holy Spirit. He got a hold of your heart. He got your attention tonight. And if you just go, hey, you know what? I believe. I believe. Maybe you have questions, but you believe. If that's you and you just say, Pastor, pray for me. I've never been asked that before. But as you ask me, my answer to you is yes. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in His mercy and I believe in His love and I want that. Salvation comes by belief. If that's you and you just say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to know more about that, but I believe. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. I just want to pray for you. It's wherever you are. Sure. Anybody else? Just pray for me. Yep, I see you and I see you. You bet. And any of our campuses right now? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yep, I see you. Any of our campuses? Any of them, including here at Lone Tree. Just, just pray for me, Pastor. Sure. It's a lot of you. So our campus pastors have a little bit of work to do too. Here, if you raise your hand, and it's just simply, I believe, what do I do with that? I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I want you to pray this prayer from belief. And here's what I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray it with me. So say this with me, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I believe. I believe in your goodness. I believe in your grace. I believe you forgive me. I trust you. Help me. Help me where I need Help believing. In Jesus' name.
If you prayed that prayer at any of our campuses on your way out, standing at the exits, you'll find individuals who will be holding on to an envelope. If you meant that prayer when you prayed it, inside that envelope is how to have a relationship with God. And here's what I want you to do. The impetus is on you. You've got to go and take that envelope. They are not going to know who you are. They're not going to know how to get it to you. We're making it available to you. You've got to go and get it. So on your way out, grab that envelope, what's in it, how to have a relationship with God. More explanation on what it means, what you just prayed. It's critically important that you grab that. And I'm asking you, if you met that prayer tonight, get that information. Our contact information is also in there. You may have some questions. And if you do, we would love to help you. We'd love to. For the rest of you, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Folks, um, Nate, you know what all of our campus pastors know what needs to happen at this point. So if you'll stand to your feet, I'm going to turn it over to our worship pastors and it belongs to them.